refreshing. We have room temperature rosé, which we cannot tolerate, so it's a little ice. It's okay, it's the fancy ice. It's gonna, it's gonna be fine. I mean, even though it's January, I feel like this is a springtime cocktail. It does seem that way. Yeah, really warm, warms the heart. <laughs> Welcome back to Purder, she wrote. This is Sunshine Lamontree. And Dana LaCoco. And we are your co-hosts for this episode 12. Episode 12. Woohoo! Made it to a dozen. It's a good number. I feel pretty excited about today's episode. Before we start talking about it, before we get all introductory-ish, right. let's have you guys rate, review, and subscribe. If you haven't already, mm-hmm. it would really just charm the cockles of our hearts. Yes. They would be warm from both room temperature ice wine <laughs> and all of your reviews. Uh, So we're back from a bit of a hiatus with the winter holidays, and honestly just recovering from Murder at the Art Gallery. Uh, (laughs) I had to read something else, like out of the genre. I needed to read a different book, like Mm -hmm. watch a bunch of Netflix shows, revive my faith in humanity. Yes. I, I, too, had to walk away from Cozy Cat Books for a bit. Uh, so we are back firmly in Cozy Town, USA, mm-hmm. with our heroes and our cat detectives yes. and our cozy rubric. And our murders. Definitely our murders. Yep. This week, we read Murder Pass Due. That is by one Miranda James, and it's the first in the Cat in the Stack series. Tell me about Miranda James. I will. A quote from Miranda's author bio. I write mysteries to entertain readers and help them relax and get away from the pressures of daily life. That's why I read them myself. And based on this book, uh, it was a very relaxing read. I would say so. Yeah. Not, Not too much tension. No. Extremely soothing. A lot of Miranda's personal experiences show up in her writing. Uh, This book is set in Mississippi, where she is from. Our main character, Charlie, is a librarian. And Miranda is also a librarian. Miranda, unsurprisingly, is a great lover of cats. And uh, another thing that our protagonist, Charlie Harris, has in common with the author, Miranda James, is that they're both dudes! What? Miranda James is a pen name for Dean James. Do you know, I don't think I've ever seen a dude be like, you know, this... This just isn't a power play, being a dude. I need to have a female pen name. Yeah. Like, you've got your George Eliot's. You've got your, uh, God, who, like, so many Right, it's usually the opposite. Yeah, or, like, J.K. Rowling being like, let's not have Joanne on the cover of Harry Potter. Right, and didn't J.K. Rowling do a pen name when she wrote, like, her crime novel? I can't remember it. I don't either. I'm a bad fan, I guess. I mean, Harry Potter is where it's at. But yeah, uh, Miranda James is is a completely made-up name. Dean James is the actual guy. He writes a number of mystery series under female pen names. Wait, different pen names? He has more than Miranda James? He does, and I wish that I wrote them down. Uh, But he has two other ones, one for the Southern Ladies mystery series. Oh my god. Um, And according to his website, he is 
His first obligation is writing two books a year under contract, so I don't know if having, like, multiple pen names to write under is a... Way to keep it interesting or something. He's like, I would get bored writing Cat in the Stacks books all year long. I don't want to only be known as the cat writer. (laughs) Uh, And with that obligation of writing two books a year under contract, you can really tell that this book was edited by a person that had an understanding of how grammar worked. Yes as opposed to our previous read, Murder at the Art Gallery, which was just inexplicable. Hot garbage fire. <laughs> so bad. It was like someone took a dictionary and shoved it into a blender, pressed pulse a bunch of times, and lit it all on fire. Yeah. Or like if you just collected a bunch of ransom notes out of a smoldering dumpster and stapled them together. And that was the book. Um, So it was really nice to read a book by an actual professional author who knows the joys of having an editor and using the spell check button. Yep. It was a beautiful thing. Such a relief. Really, yeah. So that is Miranda slash Dean James. Well, that is super fascinating. Mm -hmm. There's uh, 266 reviews for this book on Amazon. It's a lot. Yeah. It's, like, a fair amount, and 56% of them were five-star reviews. Mm-hmm. Only 1% were one-star reviews. Okay. So people, by and large, really enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. A lot of the three-star reviews were, were like, really generous mm-hmm. for what they actually say. Let's Ooh. go through some of them. Like, yes. I went through and called a bunch of reviews. Yeah. So we have some exciting stuff. Oh, good. Uh, I start with the good ones, Mm -hmm. of which there were many to choose from. Let's see. There's a five-star review, Just Wonderful, by Kindle Customer. Sorry, Kindle Customer. (laughs) Kindle Customer says, Diesel, baby, where have you been all my life? Sounds to me (laughs) that you are a serious empath. Best of luck to you and Mr. Charlie on all your future cases. Can't wait to start the next book. We should note that Diesel is the cat in this case. And Charlie is the human that owns said cat. But wow, that's a strong response. I know. I just love that they wrote this review as though it were a letter to Diesel. Diesel, baby, you're doing great. Love it. Can't wait to see yourself some more murders. (laughs) Five out of five stars Murder Past You by Johnny Rico. Refer to the previous book. Out of Circulation, which I didn't actually go to Out of Circulation and find Johnny Rico's other review. Oh. (laughs) But he must have said something there. Johnny just loves these books. I guess. Uh, He says, my comment would be the same. We had a man in Germany that walked his cat. I think of him sometimes while I read the book. Lovely. Nice. I like it. Five stars. So apparently. It's really hitting hitting that nostalgic feel. Yeah. I can't help but wonder what that other review said. Yeah. <laughs> and if it also mentioned the man in Germany. I hope it that did. That walked his cat. And I can only imagine it did. And then sliding down the scale a little bit, we have yeah. three out of five stars. Ooh. Maybe the next in the series will be better, says Deborah Johns. The characters were also bland. There was no humor. And even though I love cats, Diesel was even a disappointment. Oh, <laughs> I know. Harsh, Deborah Jones. Dang. Uh, all he does is walk on a leash, get attention from people who are fascinated by a cat that walks on a leash, and comforts people. I was surprised when the murderer was revealed, but I'm not sure that the clues actually led to this person. 
That's a fair comment. It really is. I can't wait to discuss this murder. I know. It's because. It's a little wild. What? <laughs> um, also, everything she described about Diesel is pretty much what normal cats would do. Yeah. Like any cat just goes around and gets attention right. from the people that it wants. That's all they do. Yeah. I mean, that's a cat's life. I suppose if you went into this cozy hoping that the cat would, like, know witchcraft or could talk, <laughs> then yes, you'd be disappointed. But Or, like, dragged clues out into the open and yeah. meowed until the owner turned around and noticed the clue. True. Like, yeah. All right. It didn't promise that, though. No. It was a cat that belonged to a librarian. Yes. So Deborah wasn't, wasn't having it. This nope. was not her cup of tea. Nope. And then sliding a little further down the scale, two out of five stars. Ooh. A little disappointed. Only a little. <laughs> by Donna. Donna says, uh, being a huge fan of both cats and murder mysteries, you would think that this book was tailor-made for me, but I could never really get involved. I was surprised that the detective was a man. Librarians, cats, screams woman. Donna, that's... Just l- It's a little retrograde. I mean, it's a little bit internalized misogyny. A bit. Donna. Yeah. I mean, a librarian can be a man or a woman. Yes. Donna, it's 2018. (laughs) Men can be librarians. Men can have cats. They can have cats. Yep. But I do get where you're coming from. The main character is usually a lady. Yeah. Yeah. So, she continues. But I thought that was an interesting twist. Having personally known a Maine Coon cat, And then in parentheses, who tried to kill people who laughed at her. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) I found a cat you could take on a leash, a refreshing plot point, but that is about as far as it went. I'm sorry I didn't like it better. Donna, you don't have to apologize. You don't. Donna, practice radical honesty and just own the fact that you were underwhelmed by the book. Yeah. Also, I want to know more about that cat you know that tries to kill people who laugh at it. Yeah. Donna, write your own book. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm here for cat murderers, yeah. frankly. We haven't had a cat murderer no, yet. No, it's always been people murderers. Ah. All right. Something to look forward to in the future. Yes. We'll see if we ever get there. All right. Spiraling down. Ooh. Two out of five stars. Boring, 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 says Jay Wilson. This book absolutely dragged along to its tepid conclusion. The main character is dull, and nothing really happens in this lame attempt at a cozy mystery. Ouch! (laughs) Cozy mysteries aren't all that exciting. No. They're cozy. That's what makes them cozy. Exactly. If you wanted an exciting mystery, you would read, like, one of the regular sexy drug ones. Right. Or a thriller whose point is to thrill. It's right in the name. (laughs) These aren't cozy thrillers. (laughs) Oh, my God. Is that a genre? (laughs) Is it? That'd be amazing. Yeah, we should write some of those. That'd be great. So, yeah. But on the other hand, I agree with Jay Wilson. This and book was I would say boring. tepid. Yeah. Tepid. Like, Sol- solid word. Room temperature wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, one out of five stars. Uh oh. Yeah, we're getting down there. Scraping the bottom of the barrel now. Lacking in everything. Ooh. By another Kindle customer. Uh oh. May have spoiler. That's in all caps. Okay, fair okay. enough. One. Ends with no means of murder. Person gives no sign of violence before. Two, 
Main character is rather dull. After finding that someone he trusted for years is not only the murderer, but has used her son as bait in a fraud scheme, he decides to trust people again. Like, I don't know if the end of the book really went far enough to say, like, Grandpa Charlie's back on the trust train. Yeah, I didn't pick that up at all. Yeah, so I I don't or know really about that. that. There was like an active fraud scheme going on. Well, that's the inheritance thing. That's true. Yeah, because it wasn't really a son. You guys? Yeah. You guys, we're going to get into we're some gonna, stuff. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of sordid affairs it's going on in this It's the town. most exciting, boring book I've ever read. I have to agree, yes. Three, uh, Kindle Customer continues, this small town has never heard of the Miranda... Warning. Also, the victim has gotten a DNA test, which indicates he was the father when he wasn't. DNA tests are more accurate than that. Probably. Not wrong. I don't know that much about science, but I'm pretty sure DNA tests can tell the difference between a guy and his brother. Yeah. I mean, my only experience with DNA testing is... um watching Maury. (laughs) You are not the father. Yeah. And then this one goes on. It says, um, number four, the college freshman calls his housemate slash landlord sir and mister. I've known many very polite freshmen, but not to that extent. There's also a mysterious phone call supposedly from the victim saying he's ill and can't make the banquet in his honor. And the book never addresses who made the call or why. Which, yeah. True. That's my issue, too. Rather large plot hole there. Um, On and on. Like, this person just. They went in. They went in. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) My favorite one star review it says one out of five stars, one star by Melva. Melva. And she says, cancel this order, please. (laughs) Oh, Melva. You can't cancel it That's once you buy it on your Kindle. That's not how it works. No. Girl. You're not getting your $1.99 back. Yeah. Oh, You can't my do that. She you must have really hated the book, though. Cancel this order, cancel please. Cancel it. I mean, she said please, so she wasn't that mad. That's true. Okay, and then there were a couple of, uh, like, five or six paragraph long reviews Mm. Like, people who had sat down and composed. Wow. Yeah. Not like, oh, yeah, what a great book. Uh, I liked it. What a cat. Right. Uh, No, people who, like, probably edited their reviews. Like, Hmm. created an outline. Yeah. Like, very extensive. Put it into words. Yeah. And I feel that these snippets, these excerpts that I pulled, Mm -hmm. really encapsulate also how I feel. About these books. Let's hear them. So, two out of five stars. Great Cat, Lousy Book by W. Dobson. All right, Dobbs, let's talk. Uh, Dobbs writes, The lead character is described as a man of about 50, but all his actions, mannerisms, and speech patterns make 70 a more (laughs) believable age. Most of the other characters show similarly anachronistic behavior, or so stereotypical as to be little more than wallpaper. Mm. The one exception is the cat named Diesel, but I don't expect Diesel to be part of the investigation or to move the plot along as he's wasted in this silly little book. Ugh. Oh. Silly little book. Such a silly little book. Oh my bug. god. 
Even the vision of a man walking a cat on a leash through town is exhausted after its first use. (laughs) The setting should be ideal for a nice, cozy series. A small town in the south almost never fails, but little, if any, of the opportunities to capitalize on this are taken advantage of. The only southern charm on hand is the one character who is, shame on the writer, a wise African-American housekeeper. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah. circling back to that, so stereotypical, they might as well be wallpaper. Yeah, that's pretty like, problematic. <sighs> this is also a college town, and much of the story takes place in the college library. There is some attempt at capturing college life, but it falls woefully short due to more poorly drawn characters. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. They go on and on. Criticism, criticism. Uh, they say, like, uh, these characters should have redeemed the book, but they didn't. Ooh, damn. Uh, yeah. Which, like, whew. Dobbs is not playing. No. That is... And that's, like, a really well-written review. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm just writing my thesis on cozy cat mysteries. Right? Don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon, let me sit down at my yes. typewriter. Yes. I must pen my thoughtful review. To upload um, to Amazon.com. And then my final review, because there were so many to go through, but my final excerpt is from a three out of five star review from Mary Lavers, parentheses, in Canada. Oh! I don't know if there's like a Mary Lavers in America, and she's like, I don't want us to get mixed up. Yeah, I don't want us to be associated. She, she has terrible taste. I'm she likes Canadian murder one. pastel. Yeah, right. Oh, sorry. No, she liked um. Murder she liked murder. Yeah, she liked murder at the art gallery. Yeah. Okay, she said could have been so much better. Dot dot dot. Nay, should have been so much better. Ooh. Speaking of Miranda James, does anyone know why author Dean James, which also sounds like a fake name to be honest, mm. chose a woman's name as his pseudonym for this series? I thought, since he has a male protagonist, it would have made more sense for him to use a male pen name, but I'm guessing he thought that female authors were more traditional for cozy mysteries, particularly cat cozies. It wouldn't surprise me, considering it seems like all his choices were based on what was most traditional, read, stereotypical, rather than developing any depth to his characters or stories. All right, and then she tears into Godfrey Priest. Oh, good. Yeah, so that's our murder victim. Yes. Take the murder victim, for instance. Godfrey Priest is a successful mystery writer from Athena who returns home for a book signing. Or something. Honestly, the details were a little vague. The only thing that everyone agrees on is that they hate him. Why? Because he's a jerk. How is he a jerk? Well, because he is. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, yeah. She's not wrong. I mean, that's accurate. It's about all the reasoning that's given. Yeah. A lot of the characters complain that they don't like his writing, but it seems more like snobbery and jealousy over his success than a reason to hate somebody as a person. Some of them are annoyed that he acts like he's too good for the small town because he doesn't always show up for book signings at local bookstores. But if this guy is supposed to be a millionaire, and we eventually learn he's worth over 100 million just from his books and movie options, 
which would make him one of the richest authors in the world, it's pretty damn amazing he shows up for any small-town book signings. So the whole town can suck it, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Dang, Mary! Mary is not playing! That is not very Canadian of you, girl. Not at all. Oh, man. I mean, all of those points are 100% valid, but... I just love... So the whole town the can whole suck town it. The whole town can suck it. <laughs> suck it, entire town of Athena, Mississippi. <laughs> and you know what? Mary is not wrong. She's not. She's not even a little bit wrong. Should we get into our cozy rubric? Let's get into the cozy rubric. I think the reviews gave a pretty decent plot synopsis of what happened in this book. And it was true that it was a pretty standard cozy. But essentially, we've got Charlie Harris. He's the librarian. Works at the college. He's got the cat Diesel. He walks on a leash. Godfrey Priest, former Athena, like person. Golden Boy, yeah, kind of yeah. like he was their their college kid. They went off and got famous. Right. He writes mysteries for a living. I think he's supposed to be like a Dean Koontz type. That's what I got as well. Comes back to town. Goes to meet his son who happens to be boarding with Charlie. It's only recently that he's discovered that he's the father of this guy, Justin, uh, but ends up murdered. So who done it? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So let's start with uh, Charlie. We've referred to him as Grandpa Charlie a lot, although he is only 50 years old. He's only 50, but he has the soul and, like, routine of an 80-year-old grandpa. Yes, He's an old soul, but I don't mean that in, like, an endearing way. Right. He's very particular and neat. He likes his slacks ironed. I reads the newspaper. I mean... He gets fussy because, like, when we open, he's, like, in his kitchen, and he's like, my God, the dishes aren't in the sink, or the dishes aren't put away or something. Yeah. There must be something wrong with this college student who lives with me. Right. Much like um, our favorite heroine, Catherine Katz Kendall, Grandpa Charlie has also inherited a large Victorian house, uh, this time from his aunt who passed away. So he lives in this big house, and to um, maintain it, he rents rooms to the college students. And works part-time as a librarian. Yeah. it's. I would say that's a pretty cozy life. I would say, too. Yeah. I mean, on paper, everything's pretty cozy. It is unfortunate, though, that Charlie is real dull. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Even when he's out trying to interrogate people and solve crimes, it's just so tedious. Yeah. I, I mean, everyone is unfailingly polite, maybe because this is, like, a charming southern small town. But, yeah, manners are a big thing in this book. The only person who's not unfailingly polite is our law enforcement character. Yes. Deputy? Yes. Is she a deputy? She's a deputy. Kanisha uh, Barry. Yes. Who uh, is described as an African-American woman in her 30s, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Late 30s, mid-30s. And she's a bit gruff and short with Grandpa Charlie. But uh, to be fair, he does actively hinder her investigation. All the way through. Right. So it's and like, you can't... Under of course the, she's mad. <laughs> under the guise of trying to help her. Like, her mom is like, help my daughter find out who the killer is. Right. And he's like, okay. And then just proceeds to make her investigation 
a living hell. Yeah, like, don't mind me, I'm just going to tamper with a bunch of evidence and not tell you crucial pieces of information as I learn them. So, for someone who wants to be a friendly, helpful old man, uh, he inadvertently makes everyone's life much harder. I don't know. He wasn't a very engaging main character. I think part of it is, like, his routine is described in such... Painstaking detail. Yes. Yeah. At 9 a.m., I crawl out of bed, I walk downstairs, and I feed the cat. Then I make myself an omelet. Yes. It's a healthy omelet. Yeah. Then I go back upstairs, and I change my clothes. I've got to be at the library soon. Right. Like, whew. You know, he's working at the library one day, and this Godfrey priest, who was his old high school classmate, shows up, and he's like, hey... I've got something to tell you. I'm going to donate all of my manuscripts to the college. He's like, okay, cool. He's like, oh, and the other thing I need to tell you is that the boarder that lives with you, Justin, he's my illegitimate son. Right. And I just found out just that found I out have today. this illegitimate son. Right. I had a DNA test done. Yeah. He's definitely mine. Yep. And I'm going to meet him. Right. It's been 18 years. We've never met. And that's like a pretty earth-shattering revelation. Yeah. And Grandpa Charlie's like, okay, oh, cool, that's nice. Uh, well, you know, I don't really want to get involved, but uh, I suppose you guys could meet at my house because that's where Justin lives. Meanwhile, Justin's been raised by his mom, Julia, mm-hmm. and this, like, preacher dad yeah. named Ezra, who's, yes. like, considered quite stern. Right. Oh, my gosh, we need to talk about Justin. Yes, we do. Where do we even start with Um, Justin? So, talking about our town weirdos, uh, every good cozy has its town full of weirdos. Yeah. And Athena, Mississippi, is no different. No. I mean, I would say, like, town-wise, it hits a lot of the cozy points. It's got a bookstore and a bakery. It's a college town, so there's, you know, nice buildings and quads and trees. Yeah, lawns and stuff, parks, sidewalks. Feels pretty cozy. Nary a drug dealer in sight. There were no drug dealers in this book. That would have really spiced things up. I think so. But, uh... A friendly drug dealer? Yeah. You just pop one of those into any old story. I know. They're always so helpful. (laughs) But... One of the notable weirdos yes. uh, is Justin. Mm-hmm. He lives with Grandpa Charlie. Yep. He's 18. He's a freshman in college. If Grandpa Charlie is 50 going on 80, Justin is 18 going on 11. Yeah. He's so helpless. He's so helpless. He's so juvenile. Yes. I pulled some quotes about Justin. Oh my gosh. Um, Please read me some quotes about this man baby. So, granted, Justin's arc is fairly traumatic. He does find out that Godfrey Priest is his real father, and then on the same day, Godfrey Priest is murdered under mysterious circumstances. And his uh, not-biological father who raised him, Ezra, the preacher, hits him... Yes. In Grandpa Charlie's living room. Yeah. And then gets in a fight with Godfrey Priest, ends up in the hospital, and Justin's mom is like, well, he's dying of pancreatic cancer. Yeah, bombshell. Like, what? 
this kid has just gone through a moment. So, yeah. so I, well, I still don't know if that excuses. No, the way the way just the way Justin's described by Grandpa Charlie, it's a lot of this. For a moment, Justin looked much younger than eighteen, and I worried about the burdens piling up on those boyish shoulders. What could I say to the boy now that could possibly comfort him? I had no assurances for him. This would force him to grow up brutally fast. And also, Justin is one of the last people to see Godfrey Priest alive and naturally gets questioned by the police. He left his cell phone at the scene of the crime. Right, which is questionable. Yeah. However, after Deputy Kenesha Berry talks to Justin, he's rather rattled and... Grandpa Charlie says, he might be 18, and therefore an adult in the eyes of the law. But when I looked at him, I saw a tired, frightened boy. His mom also says he's a good boy. He refers to his mom as mama. And he eats candy instead of meals. Right. I love that. He's a baby. When Grandpa uh, Charlie goes up to his room and knocks to, like, make sure he's okay because he didn't eat anything at dinner. Right. Which, like, he's 18. Yeah. Let him pick his own meals and stuff. Yeah. He knows when to eat. Yeah. So, uh, Grandpa Charlie goes up and it's like, I saw discarded candy bar wrappers on the floor and knew that he had just eaten candy instead. (laughs) And I'm like, God. Yeah. Oh, there's another quote where, like, Justin's relationship with his mama is kind of stunted, I think. Yeah. Like, she decided that he wasn't mature enough to live on campus. Right. That's why he's living at Grandpa Charlie's house. Right. She wanted, like, a transitional space that was safe for him. And she picks him up every Friday evening to go home for the weekend. Right. Even though she lives in town, too. Yeah. So it's like, you probably just walk right his bike home or yeah. something yeah it's not that big of a town uh-uh there's one scene where he walks in and she's sitting in grandpa charlie's kitchen and it's after the murder so they're a little bit shooken shooken they shook shook they're so shook about yes. this and he says hi mama justin came clattering into the kitchen yes he was definitely more animated tonight He bent to kiss his mother on the cheek. She touched his head as he did so, and he didn't move for a moment. That's a tender moment. Very tender. Too tender? It's a little weirdly tender. I don't know, man. I don't know. If he was a baby. Yeah, like a 10-year-old. Yeah, I get it. You need comfort. Right. But he's 18. Yeah, it's weird. Maybe he needs to meet a friendly drug dealer. Oh, man. If he could only meet Mike, the friendly drug dealer, <laughs> I think he'd be in better shape. I like uh, how we were talking before, and you said he reminds you of Denny from The Room. Yes. The guy with the bowl cut and the pleated khakis. That's just who I pictured. Basically. It's like, Justin definitely has a bowl cut. Yeah. Uh, when his mom, like, he's upset about something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Justin pulled away from his mother. I'm sorry, Mama. I know, sweetie. Julia patted his cheek. Why don't you go wash your face and blow your nose? Justin nodded and headed for the bathroom in the hall. Diesel went with him. He really is a good boy most of the time, Julia said when Justin was out of earshot. Not like, an who? interaction you'd have with your 18-year-old son. 18-year-old son. Yeah. He is a grown-up. Right. He's an adult. Yeah, don't be like, go blow your nose. Yeah, like, he needs you for rent money. Yes. 
uh, and to tell him how to do his laundry. Because yeah. undoubtedly, you've never made him do his own laundry. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't need you to tell him how to clean his face. Right. It was kind of creepy to me. It was a bit much. Actually, I think Julia, his mother and Grandpa Charlie's friend, is an unusual character herself. That's right. You know, this book is a little weird with aging, as Grandpa Charlie is 50 going on 80. Uh, Julia, being the same age, is also, I guess, recently 50, but the way she's described, she's like, oh, her hair is all gray, and she wears it in a bun, and her preacher's wife dresses like... She just, she sounds like the lady from the American Gothic painting. <laughs> like, yes. But you're not that old. You're only yeah. 50. Like, what is this? Godfrey, when he first talks to Charlie, he's like, oh, I wouldn't have recognized Julia. She's changed so much since the last time I saw her. Well, because apparently she was like, hot yeah. stuff oh, in she high was, school. Yeah, she was. And they all know each other. Yes. From high school. They do. Grandpa Charlie's like, hey, you know, you're, you're not looking so great either, Godfrey. <laughs> You know, and, and another time Julia's like, oh, you know, I'm just getting old and my bones are so stiff. <laughs> you're 50. You're not, you're not that old. No. The other thing that I find weird that I thought about in retrospect was everyone refers to like, oh, Julia was so beautiful in high school in her prime. She was so beautiful. But I was like, well, she's 50 and she has an 18-year-old son with Godfrey. She wouldn't have had Justin when she was in high school. Right. She would have been like in her thirties at that point. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it, it just doesn't seem like eighteen years is like, oh, the years have ravaged your once youthful <laughs> face. You're so old now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I don't know. This was another book where people were really fixated on who they went to high school with. Yeah. And like their click from high school and because it's not just um Grandpa Charlie, Julia, and Godfrey who went right. to high school together. It's like other people at the library, like uh, the creepy guy Willie. Yes, he was their dorky classmate who has a vendetta against Godfrey. Um, he's like, that guy was such a jerk. I hate him almost as much as I hate women because uh, <laughs> he just is a random misogynist. misogynist. Yeah, yeah, for just, a, no reason. Just hates just, ladies. Yeah. Just hates them. Or I guess his reason is that he got made fun of because he was dorky. Right. And so since women didn't want to date him... Now he hates them. I hope that he has no access to the internet. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, But yeah, again, high school classmate. Right. Godfrey's stepbrother or, like, half-brother? Yes. This guy, who also works at the college, Rick. He's, like, a custodian or a janitorial fellow. Yeah, I think he's Godfrey's half-brother, but he's about ten years older. Okay. So he's probably in his 60s. Despite the fact that he has no problem hauling, like, a dozen heavy boxes of papers and manuscripts, like, upstairs from a loading dock into Grandpa Charlie's office. Yeah. The aging in this book is so wild. It's like, what is this? No idea. So I can't confusing. imagine Julia hauling heavy boxes of paper anywhere. No. She'd probably crumple. Yeah. She's like a frail skeleton woman. Yeah. At the age of 50. I think that's ultimately what makes the ending twist so confusing yeah (laughs) but let's see before we get to the ending you know we've got godfrey priest he's murdered i don't really have too much more to say about godfrey other than he just he just loved women so much that's the story is (laughs) like godfrey had been married like four times already he certainly 
had been around the block in Athena, Mississippi a whole bunch. And then I guess he went to California to teach out there and, like, to be closer to where his movies were being made. Right. And one weird thing is that the director of the library right now, I forget his name, is, like, Carl or... Yeah. Lindbergh. Yeah. Lindbergh. <laughs> That's it. Lindbergh. Lindbergh. Um, was originally from California, and his wife left him for Godfrey. Right. And then he moved to Athena randomly and was like, ah, yeah. shit. Darn it. I made a terrible <laughs> mistake. I mean, Godfrey had affairs with Julia. He had affairs with this oh woman that owned the bookstore. Yeah. Who was a lot younger than him. Didn't he have an affair with... Um, Grandpa Charlie's friend at the library. He did. Yeah. Yeah, she cheated on her husband with Godfrey. Basically, like, he just, he just. He was slutty. He was. A little slutty. Yeah. I mean, he just loved women. He just loved them too much. Too much. And I mean. It got him killed. It did get him killed. It was ultimately his undoing. My God. But, you know, for all of these sort of details of, like, sleeping around and secret pregnancies and, like, this book's. I can't express to you. It really is very boring. It, there's murder yeah. and infidelity. Right. Adultery. Yeah. Um, Mysterious paternity. Racism. Yeah, there's a lot of that, yeah. too. Stereotypes. Uh, I have actually, I have a couple great quotes. Oh, good. Let's see. So, Patty is the bookshop owner. Yes. There's a scene where he goes to interrogate some folks at the bookshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Patty returned, she eyed the box of donuts. She helped herself to one, stuffing half of it in her mouth. Judging from the plumpness of her figure, she wasn't interested in diet cookbooks any more than I was. Rude, Grandpa Charlie. Damn, Grandpa Charlie. So rude. She's just trying to have a donut. Yeah. You don't Let know. Live. Let's see. He brings, uh, Grandpa Charlie brings some information to uh, Deputy Kanisha. Mm-hmm. And he expects her to be, like, really grateful to him. Right. He's like, Azalea would be appalled at her daughter's lack of manners, I thought. Kanisha could have at least thanked me for coming in after her peremptory summons. She didn't have to thank you. No. First of all, you're making her job harder. Second of all, she's just doing her job. She's not obligated to be polite to you. Yeah. She is a working lady. And again... She's I, in a position of authority. Right. And that has to be hard. Especially so. because Kanisha has the worst coworker ever. Oh my god, that guy's a dick. Deputy Bates? He's... I think I wrote the quote down. Let me see. Yeah, Bates is Kanisha's partner... But he's just really subordinate and crummy, and she's she's not here to be friendly. She's pretty gruff. But Bates is always behind her, like, whoa. Always. Like, undermining her authority at every turn. Yeah. There's the one quote here. I have more questions for you, Mr. Harris. Kanisha folded her arms over her chest. But they can wait until tomorrow. I'm sure I'll have more questions for Justin and Mrs. Wardlaw as well. Have a good evening. She stalked past me, Bates behind her. He gave me a cocky grin as he went. Bates, screw you. Screw you. You're the worst. Ah. Uh, the whole time I'm flipping through this book and I was like, man, these people need to let Kanisha do her job. Because she's good at her job. Right. She actually solves the murder. She does. Grandpa Charlie is like, oh, it's Willie because of 
secret plagiarism that's been happening behind closed doors and right. secret contracts. Yeah, he was a, he was Godfrey's ghostwriter, but didn't get paid, so he murdered him. And Kanisha's like, actually, that's not at all what happened. Even to get to that point, like, when Justin finds Godfrey's body and leaves his cell phone at the scene, Grandpa Charlie, like, doesn't disclose that. He hides the cell phone. Justin grabbed a pen that was left at the scene that belonged to his father, Ezra, and pocketed it, and he's like, Grandpa Charlie, sir, what should I do? Should I tell Detective Kanisha that this evidence was on the scene? And Grandpa Charlie's like, no, you better not. Let's see how this plays out. Let's see how the chips fall. Yeah. Um, All of Godfrey's papers come to the library archive, and Grandpa Charlie discovers all of these discs that had copies of this contract between Godfrey and a ghostwriter, and all this correspondence that showed the ghostwriter yeah. being like, where's my money? Where's my money? And instead of immediately being like, oh. whoa, hey, have I got something to tell you, Detective Kanisha Berry? He's like, oh, I- I'm going to go through these files myself, and-, and then I'll mention it to her, and she'll be really thankful. And when he does mention it, she's like, really? Like, you didn't tell me this immediately? And he's like, you could have tampered with this. Right. And he's like, well, she, she could have said thank you at least. Yeah. Like, Dude, no, you're Come not helping. on. Even her own mom... Who, Azalea, who's Grandpa Charlie's housekeeper, is like, she's Miss High and Mighty Deputy, always going to press conferences, and if she wanted to be on TV, she should have been an actress. And it's like, man, this poor lady can't do her job. Give her a break. Everyone here is out to undermine her. Uh, so it was good in the end that ultimately yeah, she, Kanisha solves the murder. She solves it. And we haven't even mentioned who the murderer is yeah. yet. Who was who the murderer all along? <laughs> It's Julia, Justin's mom, the frail, crumpled skeleton of a woman who's been oppressed by her preacher husband for 18 years. Yeah. Who slept with Godfrey's brother, carried his child, and not Godfrey's, and tried to screw Godfrey out of a giant inheritance sum for Justin. Yeah. What? Totally out of left field. And there's this weird part where, like, Godfrey was supposed to talk at a banquet... Uh, But he got sick before. Right. uh, On the night that he's murdered. So he calls in and he's like, I'm not going to make it to the banquet. Uh, Yeah, I don't feel well. And like the person who talked to him was like, well, it was definitely a man's voice, but I didn't see him. So I don't know if it was him. I'm pretty sure the murderer should have been a guy. Right. Because what was Julia doing? Was she like, oh, hello, I can't come to the banquet tonight. <laughs> it's me, Godfrey. I'm not murdered. <laughs> like, really? Really? Also, I mean, there's nothing in her character. Like, she just loves her big dopey son and, you know, is with her, yeah, with her preacher husband who's dying of cancer. Right. When all this time, you know, not only did she cheat on her husband to get pregnant with Justin. No, they weren't married at the time. Oh, I thought they he were He married her after she was pregnant. Oh, right. Yeah. To be like, oh. The, a so proper, be, yeah. You can ashamed. still go to heaven. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> You're good. <laughs> yeah, but it was actually Justin's Real dad is Rick, Godfrey's stepbrother. And again, if that all sounds like some crazy Melrose Place plot lines, you wouldn't know it. The book's very gentle and calm about it. Yeah. I think people could have gotten a lot, a lot more animated. Could have been some hysteria. Yeah. But it was all very calm and level-headed. Very measured. And I mean, you know, we got our strong female murderer finally. Yeah. But it, it was also very unclear, like... How 
well, she did the murder. Because like, he died of blunt force trauma to the head. So what did she pick up like a right. uh, like a paperweight and bludgeon him? Yeah. Did she have the strength to do that? Did she leave the murder weapon at the scene? What was it? Yeah. Was it a baseball bat? Was it like Did she a go with a weapon? Yeah. Intending to kill him, or did she find something in his hotel room to kill him with? Right. It's not explained and it makes zero sense. Yeah. Also, there's nothing that was like, this lady, capable of murder. There's never any hint that she has, like, a streak of violence or passion or even, like, anything. Or that she was so calculating that she's like, oh, I'm going to make this guy think that this is his son, so he changes his will to leave $70 million to his son and myself, and then I'll kill him so we can get the money sooner. It just... Well, then, irony of ironies, Rick... The half-brother ends up inheriting all the, like, most of the money anyway. And yeah. Rick is actually Justin's father. Right. So. And Justin inherited a whole ton of the money, too. But at the same time, when they were reading the will, Deputy Kanisha was there. And she's like, hey, this is all well and good. But by the way, we know who murdered Godfrey. It was Julia. So how does that work? If you're like, oh, hey, your mom's a murderer. Like, does he s- still get the money? Right. Because he didn't murder. And he no. Did, like, Justin didn't murder anyone. Although and I guess he didn't... if he's legally an adult, then, and he's not under her guardianship anymore. Oh. Although that fact is easy to forget because he just, like, eats candy all day and needs to be told, like, wash your hands before dinner. Yeah, and, and like, you know. when to go to bed and stuff. Right, yeah. It was, it was strange. It was unusual. <laughs> it was. This was a marked improvement from Murder at the Art Gallery, Mm -hmm. but, you know, in terms of cozies, I wouldn't necessarily read any more of this series. Cat in the Stacks. Although there was something delightful about the fact that uh, Diesel Diesel the Cat does attend Godfrey's funeral on a leash. Yeah. That was probably the most exciting thing that happened. I would say so. Yeah. Taking his cat to a funeral. But... But... We're getting back on the cozy wagon. I don't think this is quite the home run we hoped it would be, but we can really only go up from murder. (laughs) It's true. What's what's next on our list? Well, next, we've got uh, the case of Jack the Nipper, which is entirely told from a cat's point of view. Right. Um, I don't think there are humans in this book. If they are, they are ancillary characters at best. Um, it's a Victorian gentleman cat named Mr. Marmy. And a detective, was it a dachshund? Yes. A fiery detective dachshund named Sir Happy Heart. So. I'm feeling pretty optimistic about this. Same. I'm excited. And, uh, this book also appeared to, like, come from a real publisher, so. Curious. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) All right. Well... This has been episode 12. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Hop your butt on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. Yes. Or find us on all of the social media channels mm-hmm. as Perder She Wrote. Yep. Go over to PerderSheWrote.com. Drop us a line. Let us know if yeah. you have recommendations, if you have some thoughts. We want to hear them. Thanks, kittens. We love ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.